In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we will have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, cleanse us from all sin. Today is the third Sunday after Easter. The first Sunday is called what? Green Sunday. The second Sunday? Last Sunday is Red Sunday. The third Sunday after Easter today has no assigned color. But if it did, I would call it Blue Sunday. Blue Sunday. Because right about now, after the climax of Easter and the intensity of our holy, our martyrs' prayers, uh, things come back down to normal. On Easter, we punch above our weight. We had hundreds of people in church on Palm Sunday and Easter spilling into the hall. Louise literally pulled out all the stops on the organ. That's where that phrase comes from. And we followed her singing with loud voice, Christos Hariavi Meridot, Christ is risen from the dead. But now three Sundays later, we have our regular intimate gathering and worship. Last Sunday, reporters and photographers were calling and following us printing stories to testify to our people's resurrection from genocide. But today, there are no reporters, and the world has quickly moved on to other stories. After the dramatic triumph of Easter resurrection and the high holy days in our church, going back to regular Sundays can be a bit of a letdown, hence Blue Sunday. Well, we're not the first to experience these post-Easter blues. Take, for instance, the 21st chapter of John. After all that has happened with their miracle working and healing, crucified and resurrected Lord, Peter announces to the others, I'm going fishing. Some take that to mean I'm going back to fishing, back to my old way of life. With the perspective of hindsight and knowing the great works God would still accomplish through Peter and his apostles, this seems absurd, but Peter, like the rest of us, didn't have the privilege of hindsight or foresight. He just lived in the present day like we do. And if this whole Easter event wasn't to be some kind of crazy dream or a paranormal event, it would have to matter in the everyday. It would have to matter in the regular days after Easter when fishing as well as praying. Well, today's reading from the first epistle of John reinforces this notion. It's sort of a bridge between those few who experienced the miraculous events of Jesus' life and death and the rest of us, for whom the significance of those events for every person in every time and place, be it Easter Sunday, Red Sunday, Green Sunday, Blue Sunday, and all the ordinary days in between have eternal significance. So John wrote this letter in about 100 AD, and his goal was to encourage the congregation in Asia Minor, the congregations, who were now second or third generation Christians. These churchgoers were two or three times removed from actually personally experiencing Jesus' miraculous life and death. So for them, 
the glory of God revealed in human form, it wasn't any longer an immediate experience with the person of Christ. Now that experience had to come from the words of others like them. It had to come through the mundane struggles and movements of the everyday. So John bridges this miracle of Christ to his presence in the everyday. He first testifies to Jesus the great light which came into the world, which he saw personally, but then emphasizes how that light is reflected and echoed for all people in all times. John writes, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live according to the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. So John was there for the fireworks of Easter, but he wants everyone to know that this light has the power to enlighten all men thereafter for all times in all places. And that's because, as we've talked about before, spiritual light, spiritual power, can be unleashed in two ways, just like power in the world can be unleashed in two ways. It can be unleashed in a great explosion, and it can be harnessed for a slow burn. You can drop a match in 10 gallons of gasoline, and it will explode. Or you can slowly burn that same gasoline and transport four people 400 miles. Explosions are spectacular, but controlled burns have lasting effect and they have staying power. Well, God's power works in both ways. God exploded into the world in his Easter resurrection and will forever celebrate the coming of this great light into the world with changed history and time forever. It blew John the Apostle through the Mediterranean and into exile in Botmos, and it burst through his words of revelation, his gospel, and his letter that we read from today. This explosion also blew Thaddeus and Bartholomew through Armenia, exploding into our alphabet and literature, a land of a thousand churches, monasteries, and seminaries, which propelled Armenia through its golden age. But God's Spirit also lives and works and burns slowly today, constantly, in his people, in his church. The living body which is powered for the long haul by the slow and constant burn of the Holy Spirit. And we tap into that power on big feast days and small. Here in the sanctuary, also at home. Whenever and wherever we open ourselves through prayer, love, and service in Christ's name. Because as John reminds us, the God who caused the explosion that formed life and the resurrection that reformed it is also the God who energizes and inspires the every day. He is the God of small things, present in daily prayer, in acts of kindness and forgiveness, in love which is long-suffering, and hospitality to all. These are small lights, for sure, but lights which lift our spirits on blue Sundays. And they're lights which beautifully decorate the darkness as the dawning light of the heavenly kingdom slowly approaches, now and always, and unto the ages of ages. Amen.